Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 21st of, of January 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Game two of a four-game homestand. Flyers yesterday took on the Colorado Avalanche, lost the game 7-4. to They're back in action for game three this afternoon against Claude Giroux and the Ottawa Senators. Let's get to yesterday's what may prove to be a consequential game for the Flyers with Owen Tippett leaving the game with a lower body injury. He did not return. Uh, so we don't know at the time of taping what his availability will be for today. But obviously we're hoping for the best because he's such a key component of this Flyers team and a guy that was smoking hot going into the game yesterday in the previous six games, he had six goals and an assist. Uh, so we're hoping the Flyers, hoping for the best uh, to get Owen Tippett back uh, rather quickly. It did not look great the way he left the ice, uh, but we'll see how the scans or uh, how the doctors uh, analyze the situation for Owen Tippett. So that's first and foremost. Obviously, the game, uh, a loss for the Flyers. They end their five-game win streak with the loss against the Colorado Avalanche. And it's, it's kind of a dichotomy of you play that game on Thursday against the Dallas Stars in which the structure was darn near perfect in that game. And then you have this game against Colorado, and there were certainly breakdowns in the structure. It, sometimes you got to give some credit to the opponent, um, whereas the Dallas Stars never got any momentum or any space on the ice against the Flyers. Uh, Colorado forced the issue and earned it and earned that space with some great players, uh, namely Nathan McKinnon, who was just an absolute X factor for the Colorado Avalanche. I think every shift he played, you noticed him, and he dominated the game, rightfully so. He's a great player, and uh, he was all on it yesterday. He came in in ill humor uh, after that loss the game prior to the Boston Bruins and put his team on his back and really opened it up for other players uh, like Miko Rantanen, and also, you know, you look at a guy that ends up with a hat trick, Logan O'Connor, with the empty net goal. Uh, you know, that play of a guy like Nathan McKinnon really opened the ice for those players. Shots in the game, again, this is one of those shining examples where shots are not really that indicative of result because the Flyers outshoot Colorado 38 to 24, yet they get outscored in the game 7 to 4. Uh, so it's one of those situations where. Flyers did have, they carried a lot of the play in the first period, but they came out of the first period. They came with a significant shot advantage, but they came out of the first period down two to nothing. They really poured it on, good forecheck, made some uh, good opportunities on Alexander Georgiev. He made the saves, and Flyers unable to get on the board in the first. Logan O'Connor got the first goal of the game, 9.58 in. It's a double deflection. It's a, a play out to the point by Sam Malinsky, who takes the shot. Ross Colton provides a high tip. So probably just, just below the top of the circle in the middle of the ice. And Logan O'Connor is going to the net and gets his foot on it. And the double deflection ends up beating Carter Hart. And that puts Colorado up one nothing. It was a goal they reviewed uh, off the skate of O'Connor. Uh, but the NHL deemed there was no distinct kicking motion. I was shocked by this one. I really was. Why well, he didn't kick 
forward. He kind of kicked on an arc. And I think they said that he wasn't kicking towards the goal, but the puck went in the goal. So I didn't understand why that one was allowed. I thought for sure it would be overturned. Uh, but that's not the case. Flyers go down one nothing. Then at 1836 of the first period, just after a power play had expired for the Colorado Avalanche, just a, a great play here from Nathan McKinnon to Miko Rantanen. Flyers had still not gotten their player out of the box in the D zone, so it's still kind of a five-on-four. And Nathan McKinnon is along the left side of the ice, down below the top of the circle, kind of swings in from uh, below the goal line to just below the top uh, bottom of the circle, and he wires a long-range cross-ice pass to Miko Rantanen, who has the one-timer and uh, beats Carter Hart high glove. Just one of those plays. It's one of the highest percentage scoring chances in hockey, it, it ticks a couple of boxes that make the scoring chance dangerous. Number one, it is a one-timer. If the puck is not caught and then released, it's all in one motion with the one-timer. It's a perfect shot to the side of the net that Carter Hart is trying to get to. Didn't shoot it back towards the middle of the net or the far side, shot it short side, so the shortest distance to the net. And a pass, it's a low to high cross, cross the slot line pass. McKinnon so low in the offensive zone below the circle um, makes it damn near impossible for any goalie to know where Rantanen is. You can't just sneak a peek when you have to rotate your entire head from looking to the right to all the way to the left. So he has no indication where Rantanen is and where the shot's going to be released from when uh, a guy like Nathan McKinnon wires that pass. And it's just a perfect execution of a low to high cross ice play. And that puts the Flyers down two to nothing in the game. McKinnon and Ross Colton pick up the assist. Then you start the second period, not the start that John Tortorella would have wanted 43 seconds in when Nathan McKinnon gets behind the Flyers defense, comes off the bench, picks up a, uh, a turnover puck by the Flyers. I think it was Jamie Drysdale and goes in eventually for the breakaway. And that's not the guy you want getting behind your defense. I mean, that's McKinnon's 25th goal of the season, and he's having a wonderful year, one of the elite players in the league. And uh, he takes the shot, beats Carter Hart low glove, and that puts up uh, the Colorado Avalanche up three to nothing in the game. Flyers do answer about a minute six later at 149. Joel Farabee driving the net hard. Morgan Frost, real nice play. Again, one of those low to high plays. He pivots out below the goal line, kind of gets a little bit of positioning on the Colorado defender, and then delivers a perfect little slide pass, if you will, to Farabee, who's crashing the net hard. He picks up his 16th, and again, another Farabee goal, no more than three feet from the goal line. Just keeps going to the net and going to the net hard. Uh, that gets the Flyers within two, 3-1 at that point. But at 8-14, Logan O'Connor, uh, the fourth goal of the game uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. It's a two-on-one, gets a perfect pass from Miles Wood, uh, and is able to redirect it past Carter Hart. Uh, to give the Avs, once again, a three-goal lead. But at 12-23, Flyers answer again. It's Travis Konechny this time. It's 22nd of the season. And really savvy play by Konechny as he kind of loops from the half wall up into the high slot. Knows he's got a bit of a layered screen with one Flyer player and two Colorado Avalanche defenders. And he kind of looks off like he's not going to shoot the puck, look off the goalie, and just threads a needle of a shot through. Georgiev can't track it because of the layered screen. It ends up beating him. 
That gets the Flyers to within two. Owen Tippett and Ryan Paling pick up the assist. And then late in the period, uh, the fifth goal for Colorado um, was one that a lot of people, when you first saw it, you go, oh, that's one that Hart's got to have. It's a very similar to the Konechny one where he's out high and there's a bit of a layered screen, a lot moving around in front of him. And it gets through, but uh, it ends up beating Carter Hart kind of off the inside of the blocker and through the arm and trickles over the goal line. But when you look at it really close, you can see the, the puck's coming in flat, like a saucer. And all of a sudden, as it goes by Travis Sanheim and the Colorado Avalanche defender, you can see the puck start to flutter a little bit. And when you look at the from the behind the net shot, you can see that it actually just grazes the hockey pants of Travis Sanheim. And that's enough. It doesn't take much for that puck to change its trajectory to make it um, obviously a much more difficult save for the goalie. You see Carter is tracking it to the blocker, moving his torso over like so and coming out with the blocker. And then when it changes direction, it dips just a little bit and moves a little closer into his body, therefore catches the inside of the blocker and goes through the arm and ends up in the back of the net. And that put Colorado up five to two. So you head into the third period, down three in the game. John Tortorella decided to make a goalie change. At the time, I was wondering if he made the goalie change because he just wanted to wake up the team in front of him or if he made the goalie change because he didn't like some of the goals or or that fifth goal that Carter Hart gave up. Um, I think we'll play it in a moment, John Tortorella postgame. Uh, I think it was the latter that he said that I thought we could still win the game. So I think he thought maybe Carter wasn't on it and he'd go to Sam Erson, which is, is a decision you go, well, he must have felt pretty convicted about it because they have a game today, a back-to-back. And uh, I expect Harrison to get the start today. I don't expect it to change the rotation at all. And playing a period isn't going to be overwhelming for Sam Harrison. And these two have basically staggered games uh, for quite a bit of time now. So there's not a lot of wear and tear on either guy. But Harrison comes in in the third, and it sparks the Flyers. 5.26 in, Tyson Forster releases a great snipe bar down his seventh of the season. Frankly, I'd like to see Tyson take this shot more, be more willing to get his uh, body into the position to take this shot and do it. It's what he was drafted on. He's got a great release and a great shot. Uh, so that makes it 5-3. Frost and Atkinson pick up the assist. Second point of the game for each of those guys as well. Frost and Atkinson. And then Atkinson picks up a goal at 8-11. Just picking up some loose change around the net. All of Atkinson's four goals since the 26-game goal drought have all been like Joel Farabee within three feet of the goal line. He's just going to the net, and he's getting rewarded for it. And Atkinson, since that 26-game goal drought, now has four goals in four games. Um, so great to get the offensive contribution from Atkinson. And now they're back within one. It's 5-4. And the building is absolutely rocking. Really big crowd there, and everybody is into it. The Flyers are storming back. Uh, but unfortunately, they end up on the PK when Scott Lawton was called for a penalty, which, as you'll hear Tort say, didn't think it was a penalty, considering Colorado player was kind of holding his stick in between his arm and his body. And Miko Rantanen uh, picks up the goal. It's a shot coming in. There's a, a, a Colorado Avalanche player trying to screen Sam Harrison. I think Harris gets a good line on the puck, but just can't handle the rebound. And Rantanen is there to bang it home. And a um, bit of a leaky goal, but 
Um, not great timing, obviously, when you battle back to get back within one. Uh, but that puts Colorado back up two goals uh, to make it 6-4. And then Logan O'Connor gets the empty netter, his 11th of the season for the hat trick. And it's a 7-4 final. McKinnon in the game, five points, two goals, three assists. He was an absolute animal in the game. He was the star of the show. And then, um, obviously, you know, Morgan Frost with a multi-point game, Cam Atkinson with a three-point game. There were some good performances in there. Uh, but the Flyers uh, go down. Five-game win streak is over. you got to put it behind you as quick as possible and get to the task at hand. The two points that are available coming up today against the Ottawa Senators. Um, but let's go back to the goaltending, because obviously it's been a big topic of discussion lately uh, regarding the Flyers. And Sam Harrison has driven a lot of this because of how well he's played. And that's obviously a good thing. When you have somebody really pushing, playing well, Sam Harrison is dialed in, playing great. Didn't love the goal today, but um, been playing great. His numbers are great. And he's been a big factor. Matter of fact, since Carter came back from dealing with the illness that he dealt with, Harrison started five games in a row uh, while Carter was dealing with the illness. And then Hart came back for that Detroit game. And they've had, they've gone every other game with the exception of one time. And that was the Calgary game for Ed Snyder uh, for his birthday celebration. And the, uh, the game against uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins on the night of the Jamie Drysdale cutter Gauthier trade. So that's the only time Hart's played back-to-back -back games. So they've been staggering. And when you look at the schedule and how many games they have, it is really advantageous to be able to play two goaltenders in a month like this to not wear either of them down. You don't want to wear either of them down um, for a lot of reasons. Not only back-to-back -back games is a big part of it, but if one of the guys gets sick, obviously a lot of people get sick this time of year. Jamie Drysdale just came back from a couple of days being out sick. Sarah Sanheim missed a game. Um, you don't want to have a situation where one goalie is playing a bunch of games and then all of a sudden the other guy gets sick and he's got to continue playing a bunch and you wear him down. Sometimes you can wear a guy down and it's hard to ever get back. It's like when you go for a run in the first two minutes, don't go crazy, work your way into it. Same thing here. And the Flyers have been able to stagger the two and keep them both fresh. And that's a, a good situation to be in with a really congested schedule. I think the Flyers have seven games in 11 days or 12 days in this stretch that they're in now before uh, the all-star break. So it lends to being able to play both goaltenders, but obviously part of the talking points is how good Erson's been rightfully so. Uh, but there's this conception that Hart has not been good. And while the game against Colorado yesterday, I, I look at the first goal and it's a double deflection. It, a goaltender in hockey on a double deflection is hoping for one thing, that the puck hits you. You have no chance to react. On a single deflection, it's very difficult, especially a, uh, a high tip play like that play was, the original tip coming just below the top of the circle, and then obviously it changes direction again. They're, they're just impossible. It's got to hit you, or if it's going on net, it's going in net. Uh, the second one is the Miko Rantanen one, which we talked about, which is one of the highest danger scoring chances in hockey on that low to high cross ice one-time play and a perfect shot. Uh, the third goal that he gives up is the breakaway to Nathan McKinnon. You go, I'd like a save there. You get the save on, on breakaways at times. 
Um, and then you look at the fourth goal, which is the redirect. Again, very difficult to make that save, but one that Carter's made in the past and other goalies make at times. He didn't make it on this occasion. And then the fifth goal that hits off Sanheim's rear end um, is one that obviously you'd like to have as well. Carter did confirm uh, that it hit uh, one of his own players on the way in. And you look at the number today and you look at the amount of shots and it's it's not a statistical helper in any way, shape or form uh, for Carter or the Flyers. Uh, but this notion that Carter hasn't been good lately, I saw a ton of this on social media, this notion, oh, he's been really shaky for a while now. Um, so and people said some people said, well, he's been really shaky recently. Well, his four, last four games prior to the game yesterday. He was three and one, allowing 11 goals with a 9-10 save percentage and a 2.66 goals against that. That's not shaky. Okay, that's only four games. Let's go back a little further and look at the last 11 games that Carter has played. And when you look at the last 11 games, same deal. He's got the same record as Sam Harrison over those uh, 11 games. Um, Carter, for example, in those 11 games, give you the exact numbers here um, because he's 6-2-2. Two, and two. Um, a 915 uh, save percentage in those 11 games and gave up a total of 28 goals. Sam Erson over his last 11 games, seven, two and two, he's given up 20 goals. So he's given up less goals and his save percentage is higher at 931. So Erson's numbers are better, but this notion that Sam Erson's been great and he has been, that part is true, but just because one guy has been great, I think sometimes a lot of people want to demean the other guy to why I don't know. There's this alternate universe that Carter's been horrible. And well, some people go, okay, well, it's the eye test. Carter's given up some bad goals. There's been, okay, some that you'd like to have a save on, like the the fifth one that Colorado scored or that two-on-one. And you go back to that Detroit game, the one that Larkin scored from down along the goal line. And, and sure, those are, are not good goals. Um, but and, and Anderson's obviously got the shutouts there to boot and has been good in the shootout. But I don't know why two things can't be true. I don't know why you can go, Sam Anderson is playing great right now. Matter of fact, he is playing better than Hart. His numbers are better. The eye test, that is true. There is nothing wrong with that. But the need to demean the other guy's play when it hasn't been bad prior to yesterday's game I don't even think Carter's game was bad yesterday. I think the result is bad, but I think the circumstances, when you look at each goal individually and you go, okay, I can understand why he didn't make the save there. You can't view goals in a vacuum. You have to look at all the circumstances when a goalie gives up goal, a goal. You can't just look at it and go, puck was shot to the net. It ended up in bad job goalie. You have to look at all the things that go into it. Part of what I do when I go back and look at goals for and goals against, I'll watch it several times, six, eight times, to look and see where the decisions were made that affected the eventual outcome of a goal, either goal for or goal against. And you look at these decisions, and, that, and that's how you break down, okay, was this something that could be stopped? Was this a bad read by the goaltender? Was this a bad read by the defense his own structure? Did they overload one side of the ice too much and cause a guy to be open on the 
uh, weak side. You know, you look at all of those things. And when I look at those goals yesterday, I have a real hard time sitting there and pointing the finger at Carter Hart. Um, he did get pulled from the game. So let's hear John Tortorella after the Flyers loss, uh, get his reasoning on why he pulled Carter Hart and um, some reflection on the performance yesterday. Here's that Flyers head coach, John Tortorella. Part of the game. The goalie played well. kind of that penalty there in the third just really just let the you know, that's what you want to call that yeah that that hurt i'm not so sure it's a penalty when you make the goalie change do, do you do you feel you're still in the game at that point yes. or was it was was it could carter have made a couple saves earlier is that part of the decision i felt we were in the game that's why i switched the goalie did you hesitate at all with that just giving you guys play tomorrow or no in terms of, I guess, your overall evaluation of the game, you guys control long stretches. Is your takeaway just that a team like that, if you make mistakes, they're going to punish you for them, though? I think in the second period, uh, we had a few turnovers that cost us. Um, the one where McKinnon comes off the bench, I don't think Jamie even sees him on the turnover there. Um, yeah, first period, they have three chances, they have two goals. I mean, I. Pucks were going in for them, and they're, they're good. They're a good team, scoring goals. One of the top uh, goal-scoring teams in the league. Did you guys want to kind of send a message with essentially playing tomorrow that that third period was something you guys can build off of going into a No, we're game? still trying to win the game. It's no message. We're trying to win the game. No idea. I haven't even talked to the trainers. There he is. Flyers head coach John Tortorella addressing the media after yesterday's game. I expect Harrison to get the start today um, against the Ottawa Senators. I think basically the schedule of usage for the goalies has been determined for a period of time, getting them up to the all-star break. Um, and the Ottawa game is Arison's game, even though he got in yesterday. I don't think that changes anything. I suspect that Arison gets Ottawa, Carter will get Tampa, Arison will get Detroit, and Carter will get Boston all before the break. That's my prediction. Um, we'll see how it plays out. If Arison comes out tomorrow, though, pitches a shutout. You know, has a 38-save gem and a win. Maybe he does go Tuesday. Maybe they do change it then. We'll see. But um, if it's probably according to schedule, I think that's how it'll play out. But obviously, if Harrison goes out there and is lights out uh, again today against the Ottawa Senators, that could change the dynamic. In his last two games against Winnipeg, he had the shutout, 2 nothing, And then he had the... Uh, 5-1 win over the Dallas Stars. Um, so we'll see what happens today when the Flyers take on the Ottawa Senators. Now, Flyers in a back-to-back, -back, both at home. Ottawa's in a back-to-back -back as well, and they'll be coming from the road. They did play yesterday against the Winnipeg Jets. They were in Ottawa, so they weren't all the way out in Winnipeg. They're not traveling from Manitoba to Philadelphia, so that's good news uh, for them. Uh, in that game yesterday uh, against the uh, Winnipeg Jets, they lost it in overtime, 2-1. to one. Uh, So we'll see Ottawa today. We saw them uh, very early in the season. It was game number two all the way back on October 14th. And the Flyers lost that game 5-2 to two in Ottawa. Leading the way for the Ottawa Senators uh, is Tim Stutzla. Uh, he's got 41 games in, only eight goals, but 33 assists. Wow. 
assists, a lot of assists, over 21 minutes of ice time, eight power play assists. Second in points is uh, Claude Giroux has 38 points in 41 games, 13 goals, 25 assists, two power play goals, eight power play assists. Uh, Brady Kachuk with 36 points and Drake Batherson with 35. And I almost forgot that Vladimir Tarasenko is now a member of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he's having a decent season as well. 11 goals, 19 assists, and 30 points in 39 games so far this year. The uh, Ottawa Senators, one of the things that you know they need to do better is keeping the puck out of their net. And here is why. Jonas Corpusalo uh, has got a record of nine wins, 15 losses, and one overtime loss. And these numbers aren't great. A 3.63 goals against average and an 8.87 save percentage. Anything under 900, not good. Anton Forsberg, his save percentage, 8.89. Um, they just haven't gotten good goaltending, and they haven't had good structure. I won't blame it all on the goaltenders because um, a lot of times a, a goaltender is beholden, and his numbers are also a byproduct of the lack of defensive zone structure. And when I see a team save percentage at 884, it tells me they're giving up way, way too many high quality scoring chances. You just, you can't get away with that. And the Ottawa Senators give up the third most goals in the NHL. Only San Jose and Columbus give up more 3.68 goals per game. Now Ottawa can score a little bit. I mean, they're the 10th highest scoring team in the league at three, 0.34, uh, but when you're giving up that many goals, that's why you have the record that you do. And you look at uh, the power play for the Ottawa Senators, even though they score the 10th most amount of goals, they're 24th on the man advantage at 15.9%. Uh, the PK is at 73.3%, which ranks them uh, right at number 28. So Flyers power play didn't score yesterday. I thought they had some good looks. Uh, but they'll get some opportunities if they can uh, draw some penalties against the Ottawa Senators today uh, to get the power play uh, clicking once again. And, you know, Ottawa's a team, when you look at where the standings are right now, they've been in this perpetual rebuild, which seems like forever. And they've got some talent there. They fired DJ Smith earlier in the season, but they're sitting in the bottom spot of the Atlantic Division right now. I mean, we know where Columbus is, and how bad they've been this year, how much of kind of it's been a mess there. Columbus is 37 points. The Ottawa Senators, yeah, they have four games in hand. They haven't played a lot. They've played less games than anybody in the conference. 33 points. They're 11 points back of the seventh-place team in their division, the Buffalo Sabres. And they are 30 points away from the top spot in the division. Boston Bruins have 63 points. Ottawa's got 33 points. 41 games played, 16, 24, and 1. They are 4, 13, and 0 on the road this season. Minus 13 in goal differential, 3, 6, and 1 in their last 10. And they lost their last one. Uh, that was yesterday against the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. So uh, Flyers sends today. We'll see El Cap. Claude Giroux returns. And we'll break that down in tomorrow's episode. Plus, tomorrow is a Monday, which means Mondays with Meltzer. will be a lot to discuss. And we'll do that tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.